Welcome to the Logos Endeavor, treading the path to virtue. I am Bronson, your host, and I discuss a wide variety of subjects from diet and health, to physical and mental fitness, to philosophy and theology. Today's episode is entitled, The Most Valuable Asset. In conjunction with my year hiatus from video games, I also unsubbed from all the YouTube gaming channels I was subscribed to. This greatly reduced the number of new videos that would appear in my feed each day. Sometimes I will go for a couple days without a new video appearing. Yet I have found myself opening the app to check my feed for new videos, like a hungry man returns to an empty fridge expecting food to appear. In the absence of new content being posted by the remaining channels I am subscribed to, I have often opted to watch videos that really do not interest me. I'll scroll through the YouTube trending page to find something that catches my eye. On some mornings, when I have awoken at 4, I will look at my watch and realize that I have piddled away 30 minutes watching nonsense videos. It is amazing how strong the pull of entertainment is. I can recall as a child a few occasions when my father would decide to be done with TV and entertainment. We'd cancel the cable, throw out the TV set, and sell all the VHS tapes we had. For weeks afterwards, the imagination-stymieing effect of entertainment was obvious, and we moped around the house, bored and listless. Eventually, our creativity would return, and we would once again find pleasure in Legos or playing outside. But it wasn't long before we would start making exceptions. Turns out Netflix could send out DVDs once a week. We can handle one movie a week, right? Hold on, Netflix has a streaming service too? Before you know it, we were once again enslaved to the thralls of entertainment. This has been my experience throughout my life. As a single man, I would frequently get off work and flip channels, hardly even interested in what I was watching, until I went to bed. The powerful pull of entertainment is hard to resist, especially when I carry it with me in my pocket. Some might ask, what is the harm? Seneca points out, You are living as if destined to live forever. Your own frailty never occurs to you. You don't notice how much time has already passed, but squander it as though you had a full and overflowing supply, though all the while that very day which you are devoting to somebody or something may be your last. You act like mortals in all that you fear, and like immortals in all that you desire. Time is one commodity we spend that we can never recover, and how wasteful would it be if I spent the last day of my life at 31 years old investing it in top 10 American Ninja Warrior highlights. Have any of you out there had similar experiences? What methods have you adopted to overcome the allure of entertainment? This week I finished reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink was a lieutenant commander of SEAL Team 3 during the early years of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. He then formed a business consulting group, Echelon Front, which focuses on leadership development and alignment programs. The primary theme of the book is this. You are responsible for every result of your team. This was a concept that I was introduced to years ago when I had a meeting with my district manager. He told me, Bronson, anything that goes wrong in your department is your fault. I scoffed. So when Janice comes into work late, how is that my fault? He replied, because you allow her to continue to be late. I was not ready to receive that information at the time, but perhaps because of my immense respect for the SEAL teams, or because of where I am in my life now, I found the concept stimulating. Jocko states emphatically that there are no bad teams, just bad leaders. Most people want to perform their job to standards, 
But when the mission is not clear, or the standards aren't elucidated adequately, well-intentioned people miss the mark. A good leader will clarify, educate, coach, and guide such individuals to enable them to achieve the mission. There are those, however, who really have no desire to meet standards and are content to scrape by with the bare minimum. The right course of action for them is to get them off the team. In either case, the effects will be a direct result of the leader's handling of the team member. To illustrate the effects of dynamic leadership, Jocko relates an experience when he was an instructor in the Navy SEALs Hell Week. Hell Week is a particularly grueling challenge designed to convince the weakest candidates to quit. Men are divided into six-man boat teams and compete against one another in continuous events and challenges. The winner of the event gets to recover and observe as all the other teams run the event again. Boat Team 2 had a strong leader whose team communicated well and made up for one another's shortcomings. They came first in virtually every competition and discovered how much it pays to be a winner. In stark contrast was Boat Team 6, who epitomized the dysfunctional team. They constantly cursed at one another while their leader gritted his teeth in disbelief at his luck with the bad hand of cards he'd been dealt. Before running the next event, Jocko suggested switching the leaders of Boat Teams 2 and 6. Of course, Boat Team 6's leader was elated. Finally, his bad luck had run out, and his crew of losers was now the problem of Boat Team 2's former leader. You can probably imagine what happened next. Boat Team 6 actually pulled off the upset, with Team 2 in a close second. There are no bad teams, just bad leaders. I have been blessed with a solid team in my current position, but as I reflect back on other departments I have managed, I wonder how much more effectively I could have operated if I had applied these principles to some of the more obstinate actors and underperformers. While Jocko really only discussed taking extreme ownership in the business arena, I've been thinking about how it could be applied in our personal lives also. It would involve radical change of mindset when it comes to how we view personal challenges. Is there turmoil in my relationship? Extreme ownership demands that I take responsibility for its existence and resolving it. What am I doing that is causing grief for my partner? What expectations, justified or otherwise, am I leaving unfulfilled? And what can I do to change that? Am I unhappy with how my child is acting? Jordan Peterson, in his 12 Rules for Life, suggests that we never allow our children to do anything that would cause us to dislike them. What about extreme ownership in finance? What would be the result of implementing long-term financial discipline? Now granted, in each of these areas and others, there are factors that are out of our control. But Epictetus says, The chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I can say clearly to myself which are externals not under my control and which have to do with the choices I actually control. Where then do I look for good and ill? Not to uncontrollable externals, but within myself to the choices that are my own. If we truly believe this, how would our lives be different? It is not hard to view ourselves as victims to the vicissitudes of fate, powerless in a relationship with an ordinary partner, or ingrained in habits of impulsive spending. We are in large part where we are in life as a result of the choices we've made, not simply hapless pilots of a helmless craft. Take responsibility for each area of your life and chart a course for discipline and freedom. This is my goal by God's grace, and I'm beginning to acquire a taste for the benefits of taking responsibility for my life. Thank you for listening to The Logos Endeavor. Hit me up at thelogoscast at gmail.com with feedback and thoughts on today's podcast. If you're enjoying this content, 
please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes to help others find it. As always, I am Bronson, your host and fellow traveler.